Hello and welcome to Power Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network where we reflect on Wabo's most scholastic work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Dubold. Ha ha ha. No, uh, jokes aside, in case you missed it last week, um, well, over the Christmas period, we are going to be doing some different episodes because Elliot's away this week. So you've got uh, me this week. We're going to be talking about Gone Ahead 7.6, just that chapter. Um, and yeah, for the course of this week, I'm going to be releasing episodes that are just me, shorter episodes discussing each chapter the day after it comes out. So quicker but shorter pieces of content. Um, today we are talking about Gone Ahead 7.6, which is from Verona's point of view. Uh, the other thing I'm going to be doing here is I'm not going to be diving too deep into things. I've got some things to say about this, but I also want to pull out some comments that people have made either in the comments on the chapter itself on WordPress or the Reddit comments on the Parahuman subreddit. So um, I'll be talking about some stuff, bringing in some comments from community members and, and kind of discussing my take on them and that kind of thing. Uh, but let's get stuck into it. 7.6 is the fight sequence, obviously, between uh, the trio and the invisible Shelly. Um, yeah, and, and I, I love the way this kicks off with Shelly talking about how she's just killed a fairy. And of course, Lucy jumps in to, to, to raise the topic of, was this fairy evil? Did this fairy actually really deserve to be killed? Um, which is such a Lucy thing to do. I mean, it's not even like, maybe it's not the time, Lucy, but I, I love that she is absolutely unwilling to ever let a comment like that pass without jumping in and saying, no, consider the ramifications of your actions. Like, in all the situations where Lucy could, where Lucy could raise this point, she's in what is ostensibly a fight to the death, you know, a fight for her life against somebody who is almost designed to not consider the moral implications of their actions, and yet she's never willing to not make that you know take that stand which is just the reason why Lucy's my favorite character because she's so she's such a crusader for this stuff I just thought that was really great um another thing that happens at the start of this chapter that's that's worth pointing out is Verona actually does get emotionally affected by Lucy being injured here um Lucy gets uh, hit punched I think by Shelley near the start of this chapter and is bleeding and and Lucy uh, Verona is like commenting on it Verona is like talking about how upset this makes her or there's another moment where um Verona has to kind of let Lucy and Avery fight off to one side while she goes and does one of her tricks and it kind of physically pains her to be moving away from the action when she knows that her friends are in danger and having to kind of tune that out and and focus on her own thing I think that's great um especially because later Shelley is trying to like whisper, you know, menacing and terrifying things in Verona's ear to get a rise out of her. And Verona's just kind of completely unaffected by that. I thought that was brilliant. Um, I loved uh, this comment by I'm measly impressed on Reddit who says, I like this take. What's worse, Shelley threatening to kill your friends or Verona's dad telling you to mow the lawn? Apparently for Verona, it's the latter. Which is great. I mean, yeah, Verona doesn't get impacted by Shelley's uh, terrifying threats, but is upset by her dad telling her to move along. <laughs> uh, which, of course, makes sense in the context of the story, but I do think it's just funny to, to put it in that, in that phrasing. Um, I think something that's worth touching on, uh, and we'll hit this beat over the course of this chapter a few times, I think, is that something's up with Shelley, right? Like... Verona kind of pulls this out towards the end of the chapter when she talks about how fake Shelley is, but 
There are a few things that Shelley does that just feel very strange. And the first one that we see, the first one that really jumped out to me over the course of this chapter, we see almost immediately, which is whenever they're trying to talk to Shelley or say, like, you know, this is a, a, a classic narrative fight. There's a bit of banter going back and forth, right? And whenever the, the trio tries to say something to Shelley in an attempt to get her to realize, like, what she's doing or, or, or the significance of it or even kind of making a moral argument, Shelley will, like, make fun of them, right? She'll she'll kind of say, oh, you think you can just find the right words and then, ah, oh, I'll be cured or I'll suddenly turn around and see your point of view or whatever, right? Um, she's making fun of them for this. And it's so strange to me how heavily she hits this beat. Like... Sure, they try that once or twice and Shelley responds in this way, but then they sometimes just say like, oh, I'm going to go do this thing similar to how you should for your brother, not as a way to convince her, but just as a kind of barb, I guess. And Shelley's like, oh, you're going to say the magic words and then I'm going to be shut down or whatever. And it's like, I, I don't know, it just jumped out to me as like, she's putting so much emphasis on it that it actually makes me think there is a set of, in air quotes, magic words that they can say that will have this impact. Like, the fact that she's hitting it so hard is is almost, to me, feels desperate in the way someone is trying to use, like, reverse psychology to make you avoid thinking that something is a viable tack when it actually is, right? That's, that's the kind of vibe I got from this. And I, I don't know necessarily if that's right, but it kind of brings up an interesting point talking about the fakery of Shelley. Um... And I think it's one that Farmer Dan in the WordPress comments expressed the best, saying, So I'm wondering, could Verona be more right than she realised? That Shelley isn't truly Shelley the sister, but something or someone set up to be her, with some memories stolen or possibly her old face too, um, to help ensorcel Daniel or to compliment, control or guide him. Uh, which I like, I, and I, I think it plays into what I was just kind of touching on, the idea that yeah, it like something feels off about Shelley in this interaction. She obviously she's terrifying, and she's fairly consistent with the Shelley that we saw before, which is obviously the the only other interaction we've really had with her is when she came in and interrupted the Jessica ritual. Um, and maybe the answer is that was also a fake Shelley, or maybe I, I kind of am leaning towards that one being real for some reason, and this one being fake, although. That is a much more complex thread to, to, to weave. It means that it's not just Shelley never escaped from the fairy realms. It's something more sinister is going on. But I, I kind of feel it somehow. Um, and obviously because Shelley has been set up as being good at disguises and stuff like that, it's a, it's a trick that will kind of make sense once it's revealed. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's I, I do I do like this theory that Shelley isn't Shelley. Um and, and some more points throughout the chapter, right? Some more things that, that I think emphasize the, she the Shelley's not Shelley kind of theory. Um, the entire story we've been hearing that Shelley cares a lot for Daniel. And even in this, in this chapter, she constantly reinforces that, right? She constantly is saying things like, oh, maybe if you mention Daniel, it's a 50-50 between whether I laugh it off or whether I go berserk and kill you, right? That's the kind of thing that we've heard about Shelley with regards to her relationship to, with Daniel. But you know, Daniel is mentioned a number of times in this chapter. Daniel is mentioned by the trio a fair amount. The, the, Daniel is mentioned they're helping him. Daniel is being mentioned as being manipulated by Bristow. Like, there, there's obviously the scene in the ruins where Shelley sees Daniel, and this is obviously a very emotionally impactful moment for her. But it's uh, it doesn't feel like she ever even gets close to flipping her lid. It feels like, you know, if it's a 50-50, statistically, she should have flipped her lid by this point, right? Which feels to me like it's kind of being pointed out to us that while characters have said that Shelley will respond this way when Daniel is brought up or when things involve Daniel, 
And she said this herself. It doesn't seem to be true, which makes me feel like there is some identity shenanigan going on because, like, she doesn't seem to care about Daniel at all, right? Like, she doesn't seem to. We've heard that Daniel is the both her weak point and her source of strength, right? But that just hasn't been consistent with what we've seen of her. And it makes me really feel like something is going on with identity stuff here. Um, the other one that kind of jumps out to me, apart from the, the, the us seeing her emotional moment in the ruins, which to me, again, felt like something that should have prompted some strong reaction in her, but it didn't. It prompted a reaction of, oh, you think that will have an impact on me, basically. More defiance and more doubling down of, of you know, being, being, I guess, counterintuitive as a key character trait. Um, the, when, when uh, I, I can't remember who it is. I think it's Avery, maybe it's Lucy or Verona, bringing up the idea that Bristow manipulating her and, and even to the extent of, like, taking aspects of her personality and giving it to other people and, and vice versa. Um, that is pointed out as very similar to the, the Faye situation that she was in for, for obviously the, the, the horrifying, torturous situation which has turned her into what she is and which has kind of defined her as this person that hates fairy because of what they did to her and Daniel. Like, when, when it is pointed out that Bristow is more or less doing the exact same thing, she, again, she has no reaction to that. And to me... Shelley being somebody who is defined by this incident should have some reaction to that, should have at least some, I don't know, like sense of horror or even just a moment of hesitation, surely, which to me indicates like if it's not, if it's not that Shelley is secretly a different fairy or something that's, that's that over the top, at least to me, Shelley is, is not Shelley anymore. She's not the Shelley that other people think she is anymore. She's too far gone and too much amassed of fakery to just be a person anymore. Like she's she's gone so far beyond she's she's layered on so many tricks and deceits and all that stuff that she's just not Shelley anymore. I don't know what she is, but but she's some some other fakery, some some essence of uh, uh, down at the very, very core, some nugget of humanity surrounded by layers and layers and layers of bullshit. And to me, that feels like the way that Shelley will be resolved is Verona made hints at it and, and moved towards it this chapter, the idea that Shelley isn't Shelley. And I think that's going to be the point that, that sticks. She's just not who everyone says she is and who she thinks she is. She's just not that anymore, um, which is tragic, but, you know... It is what it is, I guess. Um, so obviously most of this chapter revolves around the, the, the combat with Shelley, uh, but we've kind of touched on that enough, I think. I want to talk about a few other things. Um, so first I want to talk about the traps and the glamour, which I just think were very fun to get revealed here. And even it's great that Shelley kind of reveals the the traps that Marissa had laid, as in I expect, and some other people in the comments pulled this out as well, that these traps were laid by Marissa. And Mariska is someone who obviously is very suspicious in terms of being potentially the suspect for the Carmen Beast's murder. I love that these traps were potentially laid by Mariska and then Shelley, as someone who hates fairy, has kind of unraveled one of Mariska's points by revealing exactly how two of these traps work, right? One being the Nettle Wisp and one being... Um, the, the fact that they've kind of reinforced, e.g. Verona has reinforced that she can take a cat shape and that's a, a vector that can be used to to attack her and disrupt her. Um, I love that Shelley as the anti-fae has come in and been like, 
Oh, so Faye is setting some tricks up to attack these two, huh? Well, let me disrupt that. Even though she's fighting them, she's uh, sorry. These three, even though she's fighting them, she's she still hates fairy trickery so much that she'll jump in and be like, "Now watch out for these traps." You hear? <laughs> I just thought that was great. Um, so yeah, we know about I think two of the three traps now being Nettlewisp and Vrona's. Uh, the the ease at which Verona can be turned into a cat, I suppose. Um, which means there's probably one more trap out there. I don't think we've got all three traps, so we know two of them. So that's nice to know for the future. Um, I think it's worth us touching on something that Elliot brought up in the last chapter, in the last episode of Power Reflections. John's death flags, right? Um, we've been getting more and more hints that John is not long for this world. And we get a bit more of it here, like John is willing to sacrifice himself to take the nettle wisp grenade. I mean, literally, it's John is willing to throw himself on a grenade. Like, it's that exact trope of a soldier, one, a heroic soldier throwing themselves on a grenade to help their, their you know, squad mates or whatever. Um, and it's exactly that. And I thought that was great. I, obviously, I'm, I'm sad and terrified for Verona to die. Uh, sorry, for John to die and Verona, I guess. Um Verona does talk about how if John dies, and there's a moment where Verona kind of calls out John as being expendable because if John dies, he might just be able to come back, um, which, again, is kind of a point against the John death flags, which I'm okay for. But it, I don't know, I, I'm kind of like, Verona thinks that John might be able to come back. Lucy thinks that John is feeling suicidal, basically. And of the two, I think I'm more likely to trust Lucy's read on how John is acting, just as someone who feels closer to him um, emotionally and, and, and that kind of stuff. I feel like she has a, a more solid read on where his head's at. And if John believes that he can kill himself in some heroic sacrifice, then I I don't know. It's more likely that that's going to happen, right? Um Especially if the act of making the heroic sacrifice, the only way that it has importance if, is if John actually dies and, and isn't able to come back, right? Because making a heroic sacrifice is undercut if you're not actually sacrificing yourself and therefore wouldn't be as effective, I'd imagine. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, we get a bit of anti-John death flagging in this chapter, but I'm kind of nervous that it's not going to matter and we're soon going to lose John, which is terrifying. Um, we get a bit more of, I mean, we go into the ruins again in this chapter, right? Briefly, but we go in. And so we see a few more uh, haunting, terrifying flashbacks. Um, we get Vrona's dad's origin story. Great. Uh, and it's, I mean, more or less what we expect. I think it's wild that this is the memory that Verona chooses to go back to, to draw numbness from. Like, as a, as a source of um, emotional numbness, she picks what is the pivotal moment in turning her human life into what it was, right? It's This is something, a moment that should have so much emotional impact, but she's, I guess, just buried it. She's buried it so deep that it is now a source of numbness instead. Just feels very Verona. Um, again, we see Shelley's backstory, and this is tragic. I mean, seeing Shelley watching Daniel slip away, effectively, it reminds me of seeing somebody... Um, slip into something like dementia, right? Like you, you are just watching somebody completely lose themselves, and and Shelley is seeing Daniel losing his self, literally losing elements of himself. We get this through the through the uh, Game Boy scene where Shelley gets him a Game Boy Advanced, um, and he 
he's like, oh, this is so great. It's got screens and a button. And Shelly's like, no, Daniel, you have to put in the cartridge. Like, fuck. He's so far gone that this thing that was clearly so important to him when they were younger is just gone from his personality. Like, it is gone as an element of his life. And that's tragic. It's clearly tragic. And you can see how this is. I guess, started Shelley down the road, which um, has turned her into what she is. Uh, For a little bit of tinfoil hat time, we meet a fae called Basil in this who seems to be uh, a a, a friend or a a source of strength to Shelley in the fae world. Um, If we're going tinfoil hat and we think that a fae has taken Shelley's place, obviously Basil is a pretty good candidate for that, right? Um, He... It was clearly talking about helping her and Daniel escape in exchange for a price, and Shelley was aware there was a price there. If Shelley had fallen far enough, would she have tried to take this price? And Basil reveals, oh, no, I'm actually going to take your place and get out of here, blah, blah, blah. Like, I could see that happening. I mean, Basil's not a character that seems important enough to the story for that reveal to really narratively land, but maybe we'll get more Shelley stuff as we go along. We'll see. Um, yeah, I guess tinfoil hat on. That's probably what I would what I would guess there. Uh, anyway, um, a comment that I really liked from a user called Tough as Grapes on Reddit pointing out the brownies are a type of fae, creatures whose existence is based off of deals and glamour. They're not as badly affected as an echo would be, but still worse than a human. I just thought I liked this because I was thinking about the brownie stuff in this chapter and how there wasn't really anything that the trio did to, to get out of this brownie situation. Um, they didn't pull out any big tricks or anything, right? Um and I guess on my first read, I was a little disappointed that it resolved relatively easily. But reflecting back on it, um, one, there is a trick to the ruins. And I don't know if this was intentional by Verona or not, but as Tough as Grapes pointed out, the brownies are fae. And, and the ruins being this thing that kind of washes away glamour, of course, affects the brownies in this way. And so I don't know, again, if this was intentional by Verona or not, but it was a pretty good trick to use the ruins as a way to... Uh, uh, basically ditch or depower the brownies enough to get away from them. That is a good trick. And on, on the second thing is, like, the brownie thing isn't over. It's just continuing to escalate. And so we see this as we saw when, for example, Snowdrop had this interaction with the brownies and that was resolved by Nicolette, which I think is a point that might come back when we see more brownie stuff, by the way. Um and as it, as these brownies continue to be to be bounced back and forth and back and forth, it's going to continue to be more and more of an escalating threat that that kind of hangs over, like a sort of Damocles hanging over this conflict around the BHI. Right? I'm kind of expecting now there will be this big fight, and you know, Fernanda and Layla will be on one side, and there'll be the Shelley and Kevin and Ted, etc., uh, and the Kenneteers and John and the Goblins and all the other all the other teams, the, the teams will face off and they'll fight effectively to a standstill until this brownie sort of Damocles drops and and, and ends the, the skirmish as the deciding factor. I think that's where it feels like things are headed and I'm very excited to see that play out. Um, uh, one more piece of tinfoil time before we head off. Um, I loved this comment by uh, user Spark Journal. I believe it was on the Reddit uh, saying... At some point, somebody on here theorized that Verona's mum is a practitioner herself, which would explain why she avoided any possible lie to Verona about coming back to that house. Which, one, I thought was a great piece of tinfoiling, and two, I loved Spark Journal spoiled that uh, that comment just in case it turns out to be true, which I thought was a very great piece of, like, um, 
confidence in in this wild fan uh, tinfoil hat theory that Verona's mum might be a practitioner, which I think is a theory that I really love. So I, I just like that one. Um, so that's all I had to talk about for Gone Head 7.6. Hopefully, uh, despite it just being me rambling, it was still a fun experience. Um, yeah, I'll be back for Gone Ahead 7.7 and the bonus material if there is on this week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But for now, have a good time. Have a have a wonderful holidays. I hope everyone's having a good time, even though the world is in a bit of a messy state at the moment. Um, love you all and happy holidays. Happy holidays.